Yeah, my name is Matt. My uh, reason why I'm talking about brotherhood and why it, it is so critical to me is, as Russell already said, is that we actually have to start kind of with the reverse, and that is the fact that the lack of brotherhood almost took me, well, it did take me out. It didn't almost take me out. Um, I was one of those guys, like maybe some of you even in this group, um, probably odds are my favorite, there's some of you in this group where we just really didn't need, you didn't need guys. Maybe it's because you're an introvert, you know, you're not extroverted, so you, you already, by your, you just, I'm an introvert, I don't, I get energized not by being around a bunch of other people. There's the whole, you know, uh, some of you are really good at what you do. You're, you know, you're the subject matter experts in your particular field or whatever kinds of things you're doing. Whatever it is, there's always those different reasons where we just feel like we don't need other guys, where we feel like I don't need another group of people. So for some of us, it's driven out of fear. For me, a lot of it was driven out of fear that if people really knew who I was, if, if another guy really understood who I was, they wouldn't want to be around me. I mean, why would a guy want to hang out with me if he understood the kind of person I was. And, and it was one of those things that for most of my life, um, it pretty much worked for me. I, I, uh, I had a, uh, my own organization. I did a lot of consulting and traveling and stuff. I was always on the road. I became a subject matter expert. It was one of those things where I was kind of at the top of my game. I had a, a wonderful wife, had, had two beautiful daughters, and pretty much, you know, didn't think that I necessarily needed guys. And, and I would do some of the, the superficial stuff. I would come to, you know, a men's retreat or men's group or something like that, and I would kind of pay my homage, as it were, but really never connected on a heart level where I really, and what, you know, even to the point of feeling like, well, I can just kind of give some superficial answers to stuff and, and let it feel like I was connected. The irony is, is that um, this weekend is, uh, as, as Russell's already alluded to, um, this weekend is a, is a pretty big weekend because it was, um, we're coming up on, on Sunday here, and, it, and on Monday, it will have been seven years ago, that I was sitting in my office and I got a phone call from a guy, from a friend of ours, uh, my wife and I's friend, uh, her name's Lori, and a friend of ours who said, he goes, Matt, I need to talk to you. And I said, what do you need to talk to me about? You know, I mean, I'm busy, I don't have a lot of time. And he said, it's really important, I really need to talk to you. And I said, I, di I just don't have the time, you know. And he just said, it's really important, it'll just take a couple minutes. And there was something inside of me, I just thought, I, this isn't going to turn out very well. But I thought, well, I just need to go talk to this guy, I need to go answer the questions. So I, I met up with this guy, and he said, you know, man, he said, I'm, I'm just really deeply disturbed. He said, that today, so seven years ago tomorrow, uh, or on Monday, sorry, Monday, was when he, I was sitting down with him, and he said, you know, Matt, he said, um, he said, I'm a little disturbed in that I was at a restaurant, and I saw you there with this other woman. I thought, well, that's weird that you would have seen it, you know, and I said, I just said, well, yeah, it was just someone from work that I was talking to. He said, no, it was more than work. He said, it was very obvious that what you're doing with her was not work. I said, well, yeah, you know, it's something that, you know, we're just going through a difficult time, you know, my marriage and stuff. And I, I thought I had blown over it, and I thought I'd, I'd be fine. And I just said, you know, just don't say anything to my wife. He, I said, you know, I'm going to work it all out. Everything will be fine. I got home that Monday afternoon, and uh, on, on just to kind of, again, to put it in context, te uh, on Sunday... Um, it will be 17 years that it was our wedding anniversary. My wife and I had just gone out for a 10-year anniversary. We had been away for the weekend, gotten back that Sunday night. So that was the following Monday. And I pulled into the driveway, and there was this, this man and his wife. Their vehicle was sitting in the driveway, and I thought, crap, you know, this is not good. 
because what what happened was was that I finally had been caught. I had been in a year-long relationship affair. Sorry, not just a relationship, a year-long affair with my wife's best friend. And I had perfected it. I was very good. I was very smooth. I, I had hidden it from her. I basically had outright lied. Probably the lowest point, <clears throat> the lowest point in that year-long affair was when I actually had the husband of the wife in our living room in tears begging my wife to forgive him for accusing me of having an affair. That's how, that's how I was so determined I was never going to get caught. I was so determined that I was, I was going to make it through all of this and nothing, whatever. You know, I was never going to hurt anybody. It was going to be okay. To the point to where I went off for, to enjoy our 10-year anniversary. Came back Sunday night. Monday I was back at the restaurant with this woman, my wife's best friend, and I got caught. I can still remember sitting there and, and even still being in denial at that at that point. I remember my you know my wife obviously was just a wreck, and so she left. And I thought, you know, we'll figure this out somehow. This will all blow over. I mean, I was I was dumb enough. That's the only way I can put it. I was dumb enough or delusional enough to believe that. Well, you know, I'll probably be on the couch for a little bit. So she came home, and I assumed I'll, I'll need to be on my. I'll just need to be on the couch. She came home, and uh, she had one of her friends with her. And uh, I remember her sitting there. I remember sitting there, and, you know, she was asking me a bunch of questions, and I just, I didn't even want to deal with them. It's like, this will all smooth over. We just need to leave it. You know, everything will be fine. I'll be on the couch for a couple weeks, maybe, hopefully just a couple days, and everything will be fine. I remember she looked at me, and she said, you know, Matt, she said, you forfeited your right to live in this house. I need you to go. And I can still remember, seven years ago, this coming Monday, I got into my trooper, my SUV. I drove into the parking lot of Walmart. And I remember I pulled out my phone and I looked down at it. And I could not think of one single guy that I could call. I'd so isolated myself from everybody else around me that the lowest point in my life after my affair had been exposed, after my wife had kicked me out of the house, and rightly so, I sat in my vehicle and I stared at my phone and I could not think of one guy I could call and I could say, I've screwed up, I don't know where to go. And I spent that first night alone in the back of my trooper, laying there, not having a, a, the slightest idea who I could call. And one of the things that I learned at that very moment was this whole idea of, of why this area of brotherhood is so critical, why this area of being with other guys is so critical. It's not just about the accountability. I'm not, I'm not denying that accountability isn't a critical part to keep us from getting you know, in the hole in the first place. But it's also having those guys in your life that when you fall, those guys are there for you. There's someone that you can go to. And so I, I can remember I... Uh, I had nowhere else to go, and, and I, I, I knew of one guy I could call. He was a leader of a ministry here in town, and I just called him up, and I said, you know, Steve, I screwed up. I don't, I don't even know what to do. I don't know where to go. He wasn't really what I, you know, wasn't my friend. He was an acquaintance of mine, but at least it was somewhere I could start, and I went to, his, to him, and he found a place that I could go to people I didn't even know, and I, it was the longest week of my life. I remember it was this, you know, very much of the idea of I just need to sit here and uh, pardon my French, but I just need to sit in my shit and think about what I did for about a week.
It was a very long week, but it was during that week, I, I, I'm not someone who has, can really say that I've heard God speak audibly to me. I can't say that I've had these incredible, you know, things that have happened to me in terms of that. But that was probably the one time in my life where I sat there and I thought, I, I, I still can remember God hearing me and saying, you know what, you're about to find out what it really means to be loved. You're about to find out what it means to be accepted by other people. I didn't quite know what that meant. And so this was in, like I said, it was uh, seven years ago now, so it was in September. And I remember um, my wife came to me, and she was talking to me. She said, you know, I've been talking to my counselor. She said, we, uh, she says divorce is an option. My counselor said, I need to look at divorce as an option. And, you know, what am I going to say? I can't say, well, no, you shouldn't. And then she said, you know, we, we've got a, I've got a friend of mine, his name, you know, Van, his wife that she knew, Betsy, and he said his name is Vance Brown. He's got this Band of Brothers retreat coming up. He says, I can't force you to go, but I think it'd be a good thing if you went. Now, I'm, I might be stupid in a lot of areas, but I'm not stupid at that moment. When my wife says, you know, I'm, a, I'm thinking of divorcing you, and hey, you might want to think about doing this. I'm not telling you that you should do it, but you might want to think about it. I'm not stupid enough. At that point, I sat there and I thought, okay, well, you know, if this can help our marriage, and that's really, I'll just, it was a superficial of that. If this will help our marriage and help us, you know, not get a divorce, I'll go do it. And I went to that Band of Brothers retreat. And it was still, it was something very similar to here. I, you know, I sat towards the back there. And I've been to retreats before. You got, many of you guys have been to retreats before. And there was, I just thought, yes, yeah, it's going to be another one of these things. We go there. It's going to be whatever singing. There's going to be something from the scripture. But it's, yeah, right, whatever. But there was something about, when I went to this Band of Brothers retreat, that was very different. There was something about these about just the way that it was designed where there weren't necessarily any formulas. There was nothing A plus B equals C. There wasn't any of these kinds of things that, would, that, that I was hearing. What I was hearing more of the importance of, of, you know, of being broken. The importance for me, what resonated the most with me, because I already was broken at that point, but what resonated the most with me was this importance of having other guys in your life. And one of the biggest things I took away from that was the whole idea that, that Satan is a very patient person. Satan knows that if he can isolate a guy, it's a matter of weeks or months or maybe years, but he will win in the end. If he can isolate you, if he can isolate me, if he can keep me away from other guys and keep me from being connected to other guys, he knows it's just a, a matter of time. And that time isn't necessarily always just days or weeks. It might be years, but it's a matter of time before a guy, no matter how strong of a Christ follower he is, if he doesn't have other men in his life, he will eventually fall and he will fail because the more that he isolates himself from other guys around him, the less there are guys speaking into his life, the less there is accountability. But it's not, what I learned out of it was that it wasn't just about um, the accountability. It wasn't just about the fact, there was nothing in there about make sure you have guys that you've got your five questions that you can go ask. You know, that, did you do this, did you do this, did you do this? I mean, I, you know, people said, well, Matt, you would have been much better off if you had an accountability partner. I said, no, I just would have lied. I mean, what diff at that point in my affair, what difference would it have made? I mean, if you said, have you done this, this, or this, and the last question is, are you lying to me? I would have said, no, I'm not lying to him. Now we move on. What, what did that, what, that doesn't mean anything. Anybody can do that. I mean, I'm not saying that anyone can lie like that. I'm just saying anyone, we don't have to be open. It's when someone really knows who you are, when someone knows your DNA, when someone knows, you know, when, when you're in that foxhole with another guy, when, when they know you inside and out, 
that they almost know what you're thinking. That becomes a lot harder. Then it becomes a lot harder to look them in the eye and say, you know, I'm going to lie right to you. And so I was sitting there, and uh, one, of the, one of the things that, um, at the Band of Brothers retreats, one of the things that is, is big in the Band of Brothers is this idea of, of you know, just being willing to, to walk with another guy. And Vance happened to be that guy. I, was, I remember after one of the sessions, I was sitting there, and he came up, and, and he sat next to me, and he just said, you know, he said, um, um, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't even know quite why. I didn't say it quite in these words, but I'm willing to walk with you. Now, what came out of that was that I had to do the work. It wasn't like he was calling me up every day to say, hey, Matt, you know, do you want to get together? Do you want to get together? The onus was on me to initiate it. But every time I called up Vance, I mean, just about, within reason, he was able to meet with me. And we met in, we met in coffee shops. We met, you know, at restaurants. The thing that was amazing about Vance was that he didn't say, let's figure out how to get your marriage back together. He, his whole point was, I'm here to walk with you regardless of how this turns out. Because of just the way that things had been in my life, again, not having people that I knew and stuff, I, I, my, I, I say I slept around, which that doesn't sound quite right, having you know, been through an affair, but I was staying in different places. I'd stay at someone's house here and someone's house there. My job, basically, that I had, I lost my, I mean, I lost everything. I, I started working a, a bread truck job just to make ends meet. And I, rem- I can still remember, was, um, I didn't even have a place to go, and it was in the, it was in the summertime. And I remember I was sitting out in my, I was, th- I was sleeping in a tent, working a bread truck job. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know, for the guy who just thought he had it all together, I remember sitting there thinking, wow, I've really, I'm at the pinnacle of my life now. I mean, I've got it all together because, hey, this, you know, I'm sit- sleeping in a tent, working a bread truck job with, I don't, for I don't know how much longer I'm going to have to do that. And what I noticed about Vance was that he hung in there with me. And he began to introduce me to some of the, of, of the other guys that he knew. And one of the things about each one of these guys was that there was, there was no condemnation in them. There was nothing about them that was saying, you know what, I can't believe you did that, Matt. I mean, you know, I'm glad that I'm not like you. I'm glad I'm not such a, you know, a jerk. I would never do that to my wife. There was, there was something about these guys that just said, you know what, I, I love you for who you are, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to journey with you through this. The guys never once said, what you, you know, is your, have you got your marriage back together and stuff? They just chose to walk with me through this and chose to come in there to where they said, I'm in this with you through thick and thin. And that, and that relationship began to, to grow and began to get closer and closer. We never, we never came to a place where it was, you know, let's ask, you know, the, Matt, the five questions. It was, it was more about me as a person. It was about me as Matt. And we would get together regularly, and it, wasn't, it, and, and it wasn't one of these, you know, we have to get together every Friday morning at 6.30 in the morning, and just the way that I'm wired, that, that's not the way that it works for me. But these were guys that, that were willing to invest in me, but it also took work on my part. It took, it was, it, yes, it took them initiating, saying, hey, I'm here for you, but then I also had to, I had to work up the courage, and it was really hard at first. Fortunately, and again, just because of how I'm wired, God knew that the only way I would get to that place was to be completely broken to say, well, you know, this, I don't have anywhere else to go. I have nothing else to do. I mean, the only way I can go, hopefully, is, is up from here. And these guys became instrumental in my life. And what I learned through all of this is that it, it became very much of the, the, kind of the Jonathan and David story. It became those, the, the idea of, of, you know, with Vance in particular, but even with, some, with the other guys where... These guys, we began to, to build this relationship together. We began to, I, I noticed that when, when, you know, when 
as Lori and I were separated, and I would try to work through different things, and I would start, you know, and I would and I would start falling back into some of my own patterns and stuff. It wasn't there wasn't this, oh Matt, see you're never you know, you're not gonna make it. You know, you're a scumbag cockroach. It was much more of the they were just there. They just kept showing up over and over again. And what I began to realize through that is that these guys accepted me for who I was. I, I, and I realized when I talked to one of the guys, it was funny, he, you know, he said to me once, and, and I do take this as a, an incredible blessing, he said, you know, I, I envy you in a way, Matt, because one of the things about you is, is that, and I, I had this stripped away from me, he says, you're very free. I mean, I had nothing more to hide. It was out there for the whole world to see. It wasn't, some, it wasn't one of these things that could be hidden. And what I began to realize that part of what kept me from entering into a relationship with other guys in terms of, of, of beginning to bond with them was what I told you in the beginning. I was afraid that if I told guys how what was really going in, on inside of me, what, what my fears were, what my, you know, the paths I was on, all that kind of stuff, my biggest fear was that, that they would say, there's no way I'm going to want to hang out with you. What I've realized is each one of the guys that, that, are, that are in my, my band of brothers, if you will, each one of those guys has their own story. They might not be as ugly as mine, but they're ugly. I mean, or they might not be, you know, they might be worse than mine. I mean, each one of those guys has a different story in there, and there's not one of them that I sit there and say, well, your life's way better than mine. They, they've each one had their hardships. And each one of you sitting in this room right now, in this group here, have gone through some sort of difficulties, or you're in the middle of a difficult time, or you're getting ready to go into one. And it doesn't, I'm not talking necessarily about an affair. I'm not talking about pornography. It doesn't have to be, you know, I'm not saying that we're classifying sins as one being worse than the other, but it's that idea that there are some of you sitting in this group right now that are saying, I'm afraid to tell another guy about what, how I really feel and what's going on inside of me, because if those guys knew what was going on inside of me, they would, they'd be like, whoa, sorry, I want nothing to do with you, because that's not who I am. I, I, couldn't, handle, I couldn't handle that. And what I began to realize is that uh, it, it, Vance always used to use this phrase that you know so many guys lead these quiet lives or the, lead these lives of quiet desperation that we're desperate for other guys to know our stories we're desperate to have guys into our lives but we what I think happens so often is that we take the approach of that this has got to be an accountability session I gotta if I'm not in there getting my butt kicked every single time then you know um, then somehow we're not you know we're not in there as guys together. What I began to realize was that what it was really all about was it was about being known by somebody else. And I think that no matter whether you're an introvert, I don't care how hermit-like you are, I think if every single guy in this circle, if we went around the circle and I said, do you have a longing to be known? There are some of you who are known, I think that's great. There are some of you that are sitting there just like me who have lied to yourselves and told yourself, I don't need that. And I believe that deep down inside, each one of us wishes that we were known by another guy. There's something about that when we have that relationship where guys know who we are. We feel like guys understand us. We feel like we can walk down this path with other guys and they can walk with us. And it's not, it's, it becomes no longer about, and, and, and again, I, I mean, I, I believe in accountability. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't get me wrong there. But I think so often, what, at least for me, what I realized, I grew up in a very fundamental legalistic home, uh, you know, with, with, my, with my parents. And it was all about the formulaic approach. It was do this, do that. It was you do accountability so you stay out of trouble. You, it's, it had nothing to do with I care about you and, and I care about your life and I want to be in life with you. It was go do this and you hope that you don't get caught. 
And it, was, it became much more of the accountability was what the big thing was. The accountability was go through the five questions and at the end, did you lie to me about any of the previous questions? And I'm not saying that there isn't a place for that. But you know what's interesting is that with, my, with the guys that I'm with, we don't, we don't go through that every single week. But we have enough of a relationship that if any one of the guys knows that I'm off, they're going to they're gonna confront me on it. And they're going to do it in a loving way. I also know, though, that I can go to these guys and I can talk about them, about my issues. I know that I can go to Russell and I can say, you know, Russell, right now my marriage is, is crap. Right now, Lori and I are really struggling right now. We're going through a difficult season. And he's not going to sit there and, and start beating me over the head or start, you know, whatever. We're going to go there and we're going to talk about this stuff. We're gonna, and he's, he is going to be firm with me. He is going to, it's that whole ironing, sharpening iron. But again, what, what I realize is that so often, and I, and I think it's part of, at least I know for me it was, and maybe for some of you, part of the reason where this iron sharpened irons is that it feels like it has to be this, I've got to go in there and do surgery every single time. And I wouldn't want that. If I knew that I was getting together with one of you guys and we said, let's get together on a weekly basis, and every week all it was about, let's go through these five questions of, have you done this this week, this this week, and you know, the last question is, have you lied to me? After a while, I'm going to get tired of that. I really don't need to do that every single week. What I want to know is I want to know about you because I believe that if I get to know you as a guy, if I get to know your heart, if I get to know, if I understand your weaknesses, if I understand those things about you, then the accountability is, becomes much more natural in there. I was just talking uh, last night, one of the guys that are in my, uh, at, at my office, he's very similar to I am. I, I can tell he's, he's very, he's not open, but I can tell this guy has got stuff that he's hiding. And I just confronted him on it last night. I said, you know what, let me tell you my story. And I went in there and I told him my story. And I said, you have no one, I do not believe that you have anyone that you're accountable to. And you're this rogue person out there doing your own thing. And I said, you are going to hit rock bottom. The one thing I, I said, I, I just, you know, this guy's not even a Christ follower, and, and that, to me that's not important because I don't even believe it's about whether you're a Christ follower or not. I think sometimes it actually is more advantageous when you are because we can hide behind this spiritual shield of, of, a, of looking like I did where I came across as being very spiritual, but underneath I was no worse off, you know, I was just as bad off as someone who wasn't a Christ follower. In fact, that was even worse because at least they're open about it, not being blasphemous about it. And I talked to him, and, I, and, and, it, and it's not about, I don't, I don't want to sit with this guy and go through these five questions. What I want to sit there is I want to get to know who this guy is. I want to understand what are the challenges that he faces. What's going, I can tell something that's going on in his marriage. I don't know what it is. He's not open about it, but it's very obvious something is going on. And I believe that if I can get to know him and he's willing to finally open up about it, we can begin to talk through this stuff. I don't know what's, what it is. I don't know what's going to come of it. But that's where this whole brotherhood thing comes together, where there's this Jonathan and David idea where we, can, we have these guys who are there to support us, but can also call us out in it. And, and that's where I believe what happens so often is not just, so the number one thing is so often what happens is that we come into a place as guys where we just don't, we're afraid that if someone knew what we were like, if someone really knew what was going on inside of us, Everyone would go screaming into the night and would want nothing to do with us. The other thing is that I believe that when, if we take a formulaic approach to what it means to be in brotherhood, and we take, and, and I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but we take this, the, the, the you know, fundamental legalistic Christian type of attitude that it's about trying to catch you at doing something wrong, I'm not going to want to do it either. I don't want to sit there and be grilled every time. I want someone who knows me and who understands me. And what, ha what has happened as a result is that 
is that it does I haven't I'm still the same Matt that I was I still struggle with the same challenges that I have I still struggle with you know that I want to flirt with other women I still struggle those things didn't just all of a sudden go away overnight I still have challenges with with my wife I mean we you know we've we've had our arguments we still have our difficult times the difference this time is though is that I have guys around me I have guys that I can go to and talk about I have guys that I know and I and I you know I pray that it never happens again but I know that if I ever came to a place where I went off the deep end again, I fell headlong into another affair, I know that I could call any one of these guys up and I could tell them. But do you know what's changed about me is that a lot of, the, of who I was, I don't want to do because of who these guys are. I would have a hard time with, with where my relationship is with Vance to go look at Vance and say, you know what, I blew it. I know you've, you know, thanks for being a brother, but I just chose to go down this other path. Because, because we have such, a, such an incredible bond now that has grown up over these seven years. And as Russell said, I mean, we were, Lori and I, we were separated for about 13 months. And at the end of it, I remember, <clears throat> still remember the best Christmas present I ever got was when she invited me back into the house. And I can look back, and, and I know that I had to do a lot of the work. I know it was God working in Lori's heart and working in my heart. I'm not, you know, it was, it was a lot of counseling. But a lot of it for me was also finding a group of guys. And I still look back to that October when I went to that Band of Brothers retreat. And it wasn't so much about the retreat. It was about finding guys that for the first time I felt like I could connect with. Finding other guys that I could begin to just be real and be who I am. And as a result of doing that, they began to just accept me and love me for who I was. And, and began to build this relationship together and not get to a place where, where we were, where I didn't have to do that anymore, and so she, and so it was, it was in that in December when she invited me back into the home. That following June, um, we had our renewal celebration, and it was great because it was very different from our marriage. When, when I think back I'm about the best men who were at my wedding, who, you know, they were there because I needed some best men there. Versus this time when I had guys there, it was guys who, who I felt known by, guys who knew me. And guys who weren't afraid to be, you know, be strong with me. And who still aren't afraid to be strong with me. And we are now going into our, as I said, this weekend is our, uh, is our anniversary. It will have been seven years ago this Sunday when we got back from our 10-year anniversary. And the following Monday when my whole world came crashing down. And I know that a big part of why I can sit here and actually tell this story and have, thank you, and have this re- redemptive aspect to it is because of the guys in my life. And, and, and again, I, this isn't about trying to figure out who's got the worst story in this group. It's not about any of that. It is a, my whole point here is that at the end of the day, it's about brotherhood. It's about each one of you, each one of us, connecting with other guys in our lives, being willing to be real with other guys. And for some of you, what it means is that you need to be, one, you need to be the ones who need to be willing to take that first step. You need to be a Vance who says, you know what, I, I need to go share my, you know, this guy, I've, I've connected with him before, and I need to share my story. He, I don't know if he's going to want that or not, but I need him to know, here's the challenges I've gone through. For others of you in this group, it's about you being willing to, to share your story, that you've got stuff in your closets, you've got those dark corners. And I'm not saying that the first moment we sit down, we say, okay, let me just, and you, you know, you vomit everything out there for them to see. But it is, that, it is that willingness to go to that deeper level. 
because if long as you just keep, if, if what this is about is, is you getting together and keeping it very superficial, not willing to get to that deeper level, then I would say don't do it. It's a waste of time. You might as well just stay where you're at right now because you're not, you might on the surface look like you're doing well and you might feel well about it, but I can guarantee you it's not going to get any deeper. It's not until you're willing to get down in there to where you begin to talk about, and it might take three or four meetings before you get there of getting together and doing it, but once you start getting down that level, where you can be real, where you can talk about the pains in your life. And they don't have to, it's, it's not even, I mean, when we get together as, as guys, it's not like every time we get together, it's just huge, our life sucks, and here's the worst things that happened to me this week, and we talk about it. But it is that, it's that freedom to be able to say, you know what, I'm having a difficult time right now, and here's why. And having guys that will pray with you, having guys that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't talk to Vance and, and uh, Pete and, and uh, Russell and these guys. I'm not necessarily going in there looking for advice from them. What I'm doing is I'm going in there, and, I, and I'm wanting them to listen to me, pray with me. If they do have some input, that's great. But I want men who will hold me accountable, not for accountability's sake, but because they care about me as who I am, and they care about the things that I'm doing in my life. And, and so, you know, for me, this is a... This is always one of these, this weekend in particular, is one of these bittersweet. I mean, even when Russell asked me about speaking this week, this week it wasn't, I didn't even think about the time when I said yes. And then when I started thinking about tonight, I thought, wow, it, you know, it, it's even more poignant because of what happened this weekend and what happened on the following Monday that set me on a trajectory and on a course that has forever changed my life.